Welcome to the Speed Data Podcast. Join Sarah Payne, our events manager, on our chemistry crusade as we aim to demystify dating, romance, relationships, and everything in between. Welcome back to the Speed Data Podcast. This week, we have a very special episode and we are actually in the studio. It is a lot more fancy than sat at home on my sofa. Uh, We have a special episode today. We have the Speed Data Events and Marketing Coordinator, Ashley, joining us. And we have our lovely Speed Data host, Emily. Welcome, ladies. You can just say hi. Hi. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Today, I'm going to state before we start, we are doing a special episode today about sexual orientation. And we're bringing three ladies together that all have different sexual orientation. And we're going to chat about how we date. I'm going to start. So I'm Sarah, as you all know, the events manager for Speed Data. And I am straight. I am going to pass you over to the other ladies now to introduce yourself just for the listeners context today of as we go through our discussions. I am Ash. I am the events and marketing coordinator for Speed Data. uh, And I am bisexual. And I am Emily. I am one of the events hosts and I am a lesbian. Woohoo. All ready to go. (laughs) I just thought it was, um, as we're going to go through the conversations today, I just thought it'd be great for our listeners to understand each of our different points of view of where we come from and our experiences. And I think many people will be able to relate to this uh, conversation today. And I think it's an important one to have. I am going to open up the floor today. So any questions asked, You can veto if you don't want to answer. You can pass it on to somebody else. It is an open space today to talk freely and most importantly, to raise awareness and make these conversations, you know, the the norm to have amongst friends. And I think it will help our listeners maybe that are struggling with their orientation. So my first question to you both and the little conversations that we're going to have uh, is about how do you guys date? Do you use the apps? Do you speed date? Do you meet in person? Do you like to just meet people in the supermarket, in the pub? Are you confident enough to go up to people? What is your guy's dating history of how you do it? (laughs) Um, So mine has been, since I moved to London, I think because in Yorkshire, I really struggled to find other queer people. So dating out and about didn't feel like an option. So when I got to London and was like, oh, I can just go on an app and find other people like me. I went a bit crazy for it. And then over, I guess since the pandemic, meeting people in person has been more of a like, it's felt more exciting because it's suddenly like, oh, I can do that again. And I can go to spaces where I love to be and know that like we already have something in common that's not just sexuality as well. So, yeah. Amazing. So the apps opened up a whole new world for you coming to London yeah I think the fact that there was an option to even if you weren't out out and out that you could still meet people and see that there were people there was really liberating um and then as I got more comfortable I think meeting people in real life or seeing other people at the events meeting another other people in real life was really like okay maybe maybe this is what I've been missing a bit because you host for us, don't you? So you host our lesbian and our gay speed dating uh, sessions, sessions, events. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, the podcast today, so I'm like, we're on a session today. But um, yeah, so you you host. And have you found that a really great way to just meet people in general in terms of, you know, just meeting like-minded people? And Yeah, it's been so lovely. I think because there's such a different vibe at the speed dating events to what I expected. Mm-hmm where I think people are willing to make friends. And I think the impression I maybe had was that it was going to be people only dating and they're only interested in dating, but actually like people stick around for drinks and they hang out and they come back together or they'll tell me about people they've met and made friends with. And it just feels really like you can feel the community in it. I think it's not competitive. It's not separate. It's like, it's yeah, it's a great place to meet people. Amazing. Ash, you're up. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) I sort of have removed myself from dating recently. Um, I came out of something um, just before I moved to London 
I'm, I don't know if you can tell by my accent, but I'm not from here. I'm from Australia. No way. Yeah. Are you? G'day, mate. Um, G'day, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, I came out of something just before I moved and I needed a little, like, time to just reset, um, get myself sort of back in one piece. Um, I've dabbled in the apps, but for me, it's just been quite deflating um, and, a, like, at times really dehumanising experience, I've got to be honest. Um, so... Yeah, I'm just more at the stage where if I meet someone in person and something organically just happens, then I'm open to it. But yeah, I'm not actively trying to date anyone at the moment. And I'm definitely like swerving the apps as much as I can at the minute. I mean, that would be everyone's dream, wouldn't it? Walking into a scenario and, you know, the dream person walks in and says, hi, how have you been? Do you want to go for a drink? Yeah, you know, never How happen. it happens in the movies. <laughs> I personally hate the apps even though I use them all the time so I I was just gonna say I feel like they get a lot of people at the events say the same thing of like you can't read a a person's charm through the apps or like the things about them that in person you're like is the main pole yeah the intangible qualities like their mannerisms even how they smell Smell. I'm sorry Mm. that's the most important thing to me is like (laughs) also how like hands like how you I don't know that's like my biggest thing like nice hands you can't so, get that from an app it's also how you conduct yourself in public as well like mm-hmm. you know the way that move people move around a room the way that they treat other people yeah. you know you can instantly this is why speed dating is so important I think because you inst- apparently it only takes four minutes for your brain to decide if you like someone or not and you know you could spend I recently did it I spent about how long was it, Ash? Oh, Six gosh, weeks yeah. on an app getting to know someone. And he was um, in the uh, army and he was away. And we got to know each other before he left, but hadn't had a chance to meet. So we continued to communicate while he was away. And we had this like amazing romance. Mm. And, you know, we got to know each other, FaceTiming, messaging, this whirlwind romance. We met in person for the first weekend and it was amazing. And then that was like it almost because we'd spent so much time getting to know each other. And then when we met in person, it had probably been, you know, that we weren't the right fit in the end of it all. But I'd spent so long on this app getting to know him. And, you know, I just think if we'd have met in person in the first get go, we wouldn't have both been sprung along for so long because we created like almost a full on relationship. Mm-hmm. We were really, really, you know, into into each other and wanting to plan our future together and we were like this is it this is amazing that's the thing it was so romanticized as well in both your heads and then it just like you didn't get to actually live out that fairy tale and that's hard yeah I think that is the thing isn't it coming to terms with something that you wanted so badly that doesn't work out um you know I think it's relationships are hard as as it is but dating is hard too but especially when you find someone you really like and then it doesn't work out it's just like oh back to the drawing board um so yeah I don't know my next question for you both um is your upbringing because that's really important to me um your upbringing how your parents were obviously for me um I was I've always known I was straight I'm always you know I've been open with my parents about my relationships. I've met all of my boyfriends. But yeah, I've always been really open about my sexuality with my parents and and my, you know, but I've never had to, as they say, come out. So for me, I've never had to experience that. And I don't have any, you know, I can't comment on it because I've never had to do it. But how did you both find upbringings? And, you know, was there a point that you had to come out or did your parents just know or was it a discussion that you had to have? Um, I sort of, I, sorry, my father passed away, uh, before I could come out to him. Um, and it's sort of been something that's been mentioned to my mum, but not sort of fully all my friends know, uh, other family members know, but I guess sort of when I was starting to really own that piece of me, was when my family was sort of like going through something really hard Um, and I decided that it was just better to let my mum 
you know, grieve uh, and not throw anything else on, in the ring. I know she'll be fine with it. Um, I'm not worried. Like I have uncles that are gay and every, all that, but it's just not something that I felt I needed to throw on her in that moment. Um, so, yeah, my upbringing was fantastic. I had amazing parents um, that really set this what now feels like impossible standard of a relationship to achieve. Like they were each other's best friends and I really got to witness firsthand the whole like meaning of in sickness and in health. Like when you take those vows and you marry Mm -hmm. someone and you choose your life partner, um, you you can love anyone on your best day, but on someone's worst day, how are you going to show up for them? Um, and if that worst day turns into years, like how are you going to, um, handle that? Uh, so my standards for a relationship are incredibly high, um, but not unachievable. I don't think. Yeah. I think sometimes coming out feels really clear as well. And like something that you plan to do and like, you've had that one conversation with your family and it goes one way or the other. But like mine's blurry. I don't remember exactly the moment it happened with most of my family or my friends, to be honest. Um, I do. I did do a clarification post on Facebook once. Just so everyone knows <laughs> yeah, in case you didn't great. get the memo. Um, I think it was because of that thing. Like I think with a lot of my friends, I was lucky enough that I had people around me where I could sort of be at school and just be like, oh, I like this person. And they happen to be another girl. Did you always know that you liked girls? Have you always liked girls? No, I think a lot of it for me was tied up in uh, body image. Mm-hmm. So I used to date men or not date, even date men. I used to sleep with men. I think a lot because I was... That was going to be my question to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to do that a lot, I think, for validation of... Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. And it's Regrets. such a weird thing looking back because I'm like, I think it really skewed my view of whether that was ever something I wanted to do. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it wasn't um, or that there wasn't any curiosity. Um, but I think part of it was proving not even to the men, but to other women or myself that I was as wanted as them. And then looking back on that, being like, that's not only a horrible thing for me, that's also kind of horrible for those men involved in that little game in my head. Um, But it was never at a point where I would have brought anyone home. Um, And I'm super, I think, protective of my family and the people I bring in. Mm -hmm. So it takes me a lot to bring anyone to meet the people in my life. Mm -hmm. So I haven't done that yet, but I know that there's support there from either side. Absolutely. And I think it's important, you know, to have that space that you feel comfortable, like you said, when you find the right person to take them home. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, I've just been in since I was younger. My mom met every guy I think I was even seeing, you know, it was just Mm -hmm. the way I've always been since I was younger. But, you know, a lot of my friends would never take someone home to their parents unless they were completely serious about them. Um, But that's amazing that, you know, you feel like you you have got the safe space with your family and friends to be able to take that person back because a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. And I think because I have two older brothers who are both married and we have a 10 year age gap and they have kids and it's almost like it's so not comparable. I'm living in London. I don't own a house. Like I'm not going to be with somebody necessarily who I'm going to have kids with. Like, and that almost makes it easier because you can't compare us. Whereas I think sometimes if you have like a sister who's slightly older or if you're the only Mm -hmm. child (laughs) and it's like, oh, there's a little bit of room. Um, but I know, again, because of that, they don't always know the right things to say. Like That's a really might... interesting point you just made that you've got two straight older brothers and yeah. they can't compare you to. So it's not like, when are you going to get married and settle down? You know, because yeah. it's not the same comparison. And as you said, they might not understand fully of what you want out of a relationship. Like they might not understand, you know, what that means of getting married and having kids or, mm-hmm. you know, they might not know what you want for that. So like you said, they're probably too you know, unsure to ask you. Yeah, that's, they are super supportive and wonderful. Mm. Like if anything gives me faith in men, it's my brothers, like they're good men. 
Um, and sometimes I think they just treat me like a lad to be like, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the common ground between us. And I'm like, oh, it's not how it works. Yeah, um, it's a little <laughs> no, bit like, different. Yeah. Do, do you feel like people will, you know, have you got, I don't know whether you've got lad friends, guy uh-huh. friends that are like, oh, have you seen her over there? You know, like, do they, do you find that your male friends talk to you like you're a lad because they think that that's acceptable or they think that you'll jump on the bandwagon with them of like talking like that or you don't really have well I know friends boyfriends have tried and I think it's that (laughs) that position of discomfort where I'm also like you're talking about my friend and your girlfriend um but most of my friends are queer (laughs) like they're gay men Mm -hmm. if they're men to the disappointment of all of my straight female friends but like I think it happens with my straight girlfriends as well that they think I'll be able to tell them from another side of like somebody who could be attracted to them maybe what men might think about them Mm -hmm. which yeah is a weird position to be putting because I'm like oh I don't want to view you like this or like I can't tell you how they're viewing it it's a totally different viewpoint but yeah completely their lens on women is completely different to yours are Mm. your parents together no no okay um, that's what I was interested in, in the fact of like, where, like growing up and I've grown up knowing my mom and dad have been married for mm-hmm. 38 years, I think. And oh, wow. best friends have been together their whole lives pretty much. So I've always had that solid foundation for, around me. And that's what I, you know, that's my goals. That's my, mm-hmm. I, that's how I've grown up and always, you know, I'm very much a monogamist. I'm very much for one person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really interests me looking into sort of psychology side of it of how, you know, if you've grown up in an environment maybe where your parents aren't together, do you think it affected you or no? I think it allowed me to view relationships in unconventional ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there was any other shame around divorce from our family which was a really positive really positive thing like my parents broke up because they would have been worse together and it was the same with my brother's uh father and our mum like it wasn't framed as they had kids so they had to stay together and they did and that was to know that really young I think let us all grow up and be like what's the most important thing in marriage for us do we want marriage are we getting married because we feel we have to or are we getting married because we love this person and want to be with them and I think that's a commitment you make repeatedly yeah and if you can't the right thing is stepping away sometimes um so I think that's how that sort of like manifested for me um which I kind of appreciate yeah absolutely and I mean Ash your parents as you said were together for how many years were they married Oh, I think 20 something. We have a running joke. Like my, my family has a very dark sense of humor. Um, we joke that dad forgot mum's anniversary for the final time because he did accident, like he did pass away on their uh, anniversary, which was did they, did horrid. He? Um, but obviously oh. at the time, no one was really thinking about what, what the date was even at that point. But yeah, mum likes to joke that he just forgot one more time <laughs> that it was their anniversary. You know, I think I think it's really difficult as well, um, losing a partner, like a lifelong partner before when you're young as well. You know, I know my grandparents as well. So my father's father, I've never called him my father in my life. <laughs> That's my grandparents coming out of me because they were very much like my father. Um, they were 94 when they passed and they'd been together since they were 18. So that was like my dad's, mm-hmm. you know, um, I can't think of the right word like him his upbringing as well knowing that his parents were around so yeah it really interests me to learn about other people um and their upbringings and you know whether it does affect them or not because some people it does some people it doesn't um school how did you find school do do you did you enjoy school were you the orientation that you are now at school do you feel like you were judged at school were you bullied for it were you happy with it you know did you understand at school because I recently had this conversation in a podcast about sex education and I mean, I'm 34, but when I was taught sex education, it was male and female sex and that's how you were shown. That's how you have sex and have a baby because that's what they teach you in school. You have sex to reproduce. Mm-hmm. What was your experiences at school? Um, so for me, 
sort of acting on my bisexuality came later, but it was definitely sort of something that I was aware of. Um, I was taught sex, sex education for the first time in grade seven. I don't know if your schooling's a bit different here, but that's sort of like the final year of primary school. Um, so yeah, it was definitely just straight sex was taught. Um, but it also just was very surface level, um, sort of stuff. I didn't at that point see anything wrong with that because I didn't really know that, like I noticed women and I thought women were beautiful. I never acted on it and I never sort of was in that level to view it as sexually interested, I guess, either. So it was just sort of like an awareness that like I clocked that my attention was going there, but I didn't, I didn't act on it or I didn't see anything in that way. So yeah, it, sex education didn't really uh, impact me in that way to feel like I was exiled or anything at that point. Yeah, I think there was things that I wouldn't have known was missing then. So didn't think about yeah. like yeah. the thought about having kids. I was like thinking about it now. I'm fuming that nobody's told me how much this could potentially cost if I wanted to have kids. And how much sleep you lose. Yeah, that. And also like, I don't know, I'd never sort of considered how two women might have a baby, for example, or like not even that, but the checks that you have to go through for that in terms of your health or if you want to adopt or foster like your income, whether you're going to be a single parent or not. And it was like, oh, but so many people don't have to think about this. They just have a baby because they want to have a baby. So there's things like that. And also things like the boys being separated from us whilst we were learning that I remember. And again, because I have wonderful older brothers, I think they have spoken to their girlfriends and always made themselves aware or made an effort to be aware. There are so many boys that don't know about women's health or women's bodies because they weren't there for that chat. And I think that starts off a really weird precedent of like what they need to be involved in. They also learn sex education through porn, which doesn't help. Yeah. And I guess that's also like, I think for queer people, like there's a lot, you turn to the internet now because that's where there is to go. And depending on what kind of side of the internet you tend to go to or like think you should go to, that's where you're going to pick up your information. So for boys, it might be, I know my other friends have done this. So maybe this is the best place for me to go. Whereas I think girls, I don't know, I'm speaking very generally, but like might tend to be a bit more like methodical about it and like Google questions and like, I don't know, be a bit more investigative. I think also that women have more chance of like talking to one another and having like a conversation around it and being like and sharing information. Whereas men might just, I don't think they would sit down and have like in-depth conversations about these sort of things. Yeah. And I think, especially when I was younger, I think also with men, because they can feel like going into detail like that or showing excitement is like a shameful thing or showing mm. emotions on things, which is sad for them because they miss yeah. out on that knowing what's normal, what other men their age are going through. And that's such a shame that like we get to experience through gossiping with other girls and being like, oh, what was that like for you? Was that weird? Oh, that's been weird for me as well. Yeah, I think they probably just don't, I feel like they are just meant to know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like they're going into those situations, like men, like taking the reins and like, in a sense, having to know how that whole thing needs to play out. Whereas women just sort of. Yeah, I, I found it really interesting when I started my podcast, uh, quite a few of my guy friends listened to it. And I was really surprised and they messaged me like, I didn't know girls talked like that. I didn't know girls felt like that about that. I didn't know that that, you know, girls did, did, did. I didn't know women, did. well, I know we're women now, but I didn't know that like women spoke about that. And, um, you know, I think, I think men should listen to more female podcasts yeah, absolutely. because, you know, and I think men need to talk more about everything. You know, I know we go into a lot about mental health and men need to talk 
men need to use their voices as well. But I think if men spoke about what they went through. Well, I think that also needs to start in school. Like, yeah, out of all the things we learn in school, how to be vulnerable, how to communicate effectively, conflict resolution, none of those things are like even remotely spoken about. So, of course, you just go through life for a long time being ineffective in all those areas. And for men, unfortunately, can be a little bit longer than women at gaining those skills just because they aren't having those open conversations. Yeah. I think also that what you mentioned before about men sort of being expected to know what to do, that is a terrifying thing. And this is something I learned like the first time I was with people who weren't men was like, oh, we're starting from scratch here yes. and neither of us know what we're doing. And that's something like, I think, well, one of my friends wrote a book called My Broken Vagina and it's about her not being able to have sex in a way that uh, she can experience pleasure Okay, and how she's navigated. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, she wrote a set show around it as well. That's very good. Um, but she spoke about like how she tried to fix herself and um, one part of her show she did she got people to write a message to their 16 year old self and what they would tell them now and so much of it I know at least mine was about um, not having the pressure to know what you're doing and to be able to be silly rather than putting up this front of like I know exactly what I'm doing it's gonna be great (laughs) don't even worry about it I'm a pro when you're not because you come out feeling awkward and like oh did they see that I'm a fake, that like, I don't know what I'm doing when they probably feel the same? Well, there's nothing worse for me than a guy going in super confident, being like, yeah, I'm really great in bed. And then me being like, no. Under-delivering. Under-delivering. But just be vulnerable. I would much rather someone be vulnerable with me. I feel like there's a real opportunity there. Both of you don't know what you're doing. If you both own that, this is something be- beautiful you get to build together and you yep. get to know, I think, quicker what each other likes because there's no walls, there's no faking shit. Like it's just you're learning together. Yeah. I think there's like this idea that some people are just good in bed and some people aren't when actually I think it's who's willing and open to sort of be vulnerable and to change because the odds are most people aren't going to automatically know how you like things or what you like it's going to take some form of communication Mm -hmm. if they're open to hearing that and if you are open to communicating and knowing what you like then you're going to get so much closer to finding somebody compatible and that's where I think like dating it can be hard because if the first night together is like oh that wasn't great yeah but I think it's also up to like everyone to know that it's not going to be great First yeah. go, no, second that's go, fine. maybe not even third go. That's but, that's absolutely normal. Yeah. But don't big yourself up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is my point: is don't go in there and all guns blazing, being like, "This is going to be the best night of your life." <laughs> oh my gosh, I think we've all had experiences like that. And you just sit back afterwards, and you're like, "I'm going to be polite in this situation, but I could really humble you." <laughs> <laughs> sit down, be humble. Um, yeah. So my next topic of conversation. Um, is monogamy, open relationships. How do you personally feel about it in terms of how you live your lifestyle? Um, how, what do you think about it? What do you, are you open to everything? Um, or are you just into one? Ash, you're up. I am, I change like the wind. Um, I am someone that will try anything once, um, within reason. Um, I have been in open-ish relationships before and I've been in monogamous relationships as well. Um, If it is something that's open, it completely depends, I think, on your partner. And there has to be so much trust there because for me, I was able to like compartmentalise physical needs versus emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there was something that maybe I, that he really was into, that I was just, it, I didn't think it was 
really going to be something that I wanted to try again or continue in that relationship, um, I was like, go for it. If this is something that you really want to do and what you really need, um, you can pursue that outside of this. That's fine. Um, but like, I'm still your girlfriend. So like emotionally there's that piece to it. Um, I've only had that sort of like once being, that was sort of also in the early stages of me coming to terms with my bisexuality, which I think for some men, um, is sort of just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It means we can have threesomes. This was whatnot. this was a question on my list to you. Oh, really? That guys are, <laughs> do guys automatically yeah. think like, I'm going to get a threesome out of this? Absolutely. And like, do they ask you like, are you really bisexual though? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, I think the, when you first like sort of come to terms with it, and I don't know if you can relate, you're sort of so happy and really want to own that sense of yourself mm-hmm. like you really just want to be like this is who I am and you want to tell people especially your new partners you're just like just so you know like this is this is me this is me yeah this is what absolutely. I'm coming to the table with um and I found that a lot of guys just saw that as, and this is straight men obviously yeah that straight, are saying this to you yeah um that just saw it as an opportunity um and thought it was just yeah for their a phase pleasure. for you well, yeah. no, not even, but just for their pleasure, pleasure. something for okay. them to consume rather than something that is just me. Um, and so they were just like, yes, threesomes. Um, and it's not it's not always the same. Like there's polyamory and there's, you know, wanting to do those things and then there's, you know, you being able to be attracted to and fall in love with either a man or a woman. It doesn't have to be at the same time doesn't have to be integrated. Um, So that was, yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird sort of thing to navigate in that space. So I've I've done open, I've done monogamous. I can do both, but I'd say I more lean towards monogamy. Okay. Yeah, I have also tried different structures sort of briefly um I think I am monogamous but I've never been opposed to trying and if the situation's right I don't have anything against it it's just I find that like I don't have the same pull towards polyamory that people I know who are polyamorous do in the way that they'll be like I want somebody to fulfill this part of me I feel very full with like my friends and my family and adding a partner into that already feels kind of like a lot. And I think for me in my head, that's where I'm like, okay, it sounds like you're monogamous. Um, I tried dating a couple and it was interesting. It was one that was already together. And I think it's really easy to pin your idea of a structure like polyamory on like one experience. Mm -hmm. And that was my one experience. Um, and it didn't work out, but like I say, that's not, that's not the capacity of what it could be. Can I ask more about that? Did you go out for dinner with both of them? Did you date them separately? Were you invited into their world? You know, how did that work? Cause this fascinates me. I would probably do a degree in this like open relationship and all of this because I am very much a straight monogamist and I know it. I'm very, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have always owned that. But the way that other people live their lives fascinates me because I think it's so empowering to watch other people own this. So this was a, I was friends with one of them, mm-hmm. like newish friends. It wasn't an old friendship. So it still kind of felt like, oh, this is like a romantic possibility. And I think their partner liked me more than they did, maybe. But they were both thinking about opening up their relationship. So it was like maybe a case of the right person to come along into the dynamic that they wanted to explore as well. And it was totally new for me. And I think it was kind of exciting to be like, oh, these two hot people like me and I can try dating both of them. That's really cool. And also I was the new person. 
which I think I really liked. Yeah. I had a shiny, <laughs> shiny new toy. Because <laughs> it was like, and they both lived together. So I was the sort of, I was the new person. I was the new exciting like thing. Um, and I felt that. And I, I really did have a lot of love for both of them in different ways. But our dating was short term. Um, sharing a bed, just in a general sense, was like, ah, oh, there's a lot of things if you're dating more than one person that you've got to consider or like where you sit if you're going out or like who's spending more time with who that I think I never spent long enough with them to fully see. Mm -hmm. But because I was, again, the new person, I was probably put more in the middle of it all because they respected that they had a, they had a history. So they were very secure. I, from my perspective, was I was the one that was like a bit like first to come, first to go. Assurance or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I really liked it. It was something that I never considered doing long term because I was just like, this is what this is with two very specific people. It's not working. And this was just before the lockdowns as well. So that sort of helped <laughs> ease the close off. Um because it felt like a lot of pressure to have two people who were living together when I couldn't see them. Or if I wasn't responding, having two people living together, yeah. potentially making each other anxious about when I would respond. Like, Yeah, I didn't think of it like that in terms of, you know, when you're at home and you're texting someone that's there too, if there's just two of you, you're in different scenarios. Whereas if you're both together, I've never thought of that actually, yeah. but that might be, you know, like you said, it's, they're together discussing being like, wow, she texts us back, me back, her back, you know. Yeah, and we were really we were in a group chat. So it was kind of like oh, I, I love think, that little group chat. I don't think we had really separate conversations, but also just because there wasn't a need to. Whereas I think if it had gone on for longer, it, that would have probably been something that well, came it takes out. the secrecy away from it. Like I think yeah. the one thing that I've, you know, I've had many of these conversations now, even with guys I've met that have gone into, you know relationships with couples for example I obviously ask a lot of questions but communication they have some of the strongest communication skills that a couple that I've ever seen Mm -hmm. because they have to be so open and so honest with each other for order this in order for this to work and then they're some of the strongest couples that you know because everything's on the table Mm -hmm. there's no cheating there's no you know lying there's no upsetting anything because you know what you're going into you can't always get one thing from one all the things that you need from one person and if you're comfortable in that lifestyle you can have multiple people that serve your needs in different ways and then you don't end up hurting anybody because everything's out on the table yeah because the other the other thing is that it's kind of unfair to expect one person to be everything everything Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a lot of pressure to put on someone and like, of course, you can go to your friends if you need attention or, you know, those sort of things. But, yeah, if you can open up a relationship, there's definitely um, positives to that. But it can also really um, play on your insecurities as well. Yeah. And I think also people can think, like I've had experience of this from apps and talking to other people who've maybe mixed with the same people that because they say they're doing ethical non-monogamy, that they are not going to screw anyone over oh when in God. fact they do. Yes. Or that it nothing will ever count as cheating, where they are cheating within the sort parameters. of parameters that they've yeah. set with their partner. And it's like, yeah, I think it can be such a wonderful thing because it allows you to sort of admit to yourself as well as other people, like, this is what I have capacity for. This is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But like you still have to do that work to to yeah. say that because otherwise you still end up hurting people. I think it's so important to really talk more about the different styles of relationships that people can have because, you know, it might monogamy might not be for everybody and they might not know that something else exists. And I think people get themselves into relationships and this is why people stay together because they're, they don't know what else is out there. And I think if more people spoke openly about this and freely and, you know, 
spoke about what they want, what they actually want. And I think that's a problem is that people are vocal about what they think they should want and what people want to hear. Whereas if everybody just spoke, this is what I'm looking for and this is what I want. Everything would be easier, I think. Well, it's the stigma that's still sort of attached to that way of living as well. Like slut shaming, I can't even believe is still happening. So I feel like probably it's a barrier to people exploring that and being open and having those conversations because it is like really it's a hard conversation to have having that first sort of like when you're trying to open up a relationship I I did not take it well when my ex (laughs) first approached the conversation with me I was just like what why aren't I enough like I made it all about me and it just wasn't it was actually nothing to do with me and everything to do with him And that was totally fine. I think it's very different when you're in a relationship and then it gets opened up to going into an open relationship as well. Like that would be much harder to deal with if, you know, it's great that he brought that to your attention because that's how he was feeling. And like you said, it wasn't anything to do with you not being enough. It was just his needs. Mm -hmm. And once you understood that, it sort of became okay and you were able to accept it. But I think that would be much more difficult to open up a monogamous relationship to somebody else Definitely. you know I've seen the show I talk about it a lot you me her mm-hmm. have you seen it <laughs> yeah. yeah I loved this show mm-hmm. because I was just like I could never do this the, the other side of that is like sometimes you love someone that so much, much that, that you, you give them that room yeah absolutely um, and if that's what they need in that moment times you put your own needs aside which is what I did didn't work out long term but yeah um, you have to go through that to know if you're compatible as well. Like you're going to have these tests. Relationships are hard. A lot of compromise is needed if it's going to go the distance. Yeah, I think it it can change as well because depending on circumstance and why someone might want to do it, like if their um, if physical things have changed for them and they're not able to give you what you need or you're not able to give them what they need or the time they're able to spend with you has changed and you're feeling a shift like sometimes it's just life and things they might not have thought were an option at the start of your relationship Mm -hmm. but also again like I'm learning when I go on dates with people now to be like hey what are your feelings on this because I've gone on dates with people and then found out they have a partner or that oh, wow. they are looking for other partners and been like, just doing some first. shopping here. Yeah. At first being like, oh, I feel like I should have been told. Like that was my initial, I guess, defensive reaction. It was also like, I didn't ask. And like, I guess in the dating world, that is something you have to consider whether you're on the same page about those things or whether you're both willing to be open. There's like a fear of putting that out into the world and somebody going, oh God, no, like, that's not for me. But actually, it just sort of aligns you, I think, with the people who are more on the same page, at least. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to ask, too, what do you think is the hardest part about dating today for you guys? Like, what is your, you know, top sort of struggle that you face regularly dating? Um, I think for me... Um, a problem is everyone I date and my friends date all seem to know each other. Oh God. It's very the L word. And while sometimes there's comfort in it and being like, Hey, these are all good people. Already vetted. Yeah. It can also be like, okay, I kind of just want to date somebody who doesn't know my business. Once I went on a date with a girl from Australia who'd been in the UK for two days we already had a mutual person. How does that even happen? So that can get a bit like claustrophobic. Um, wow. But again, it's also, it's the nice thing of being like, yeah, they're good people. Don't worry about it. That's mine. I think for me, I'm very much still an old school romantic. And I struggle with the modern dating world because there's so much choice now. And I'm very much all in straight away. I like to know everything about somebody and that intimidates people. And I'm just very much like all in or not at all sometimes because I'm just, 
you know, I watch all the rom-coms, I watch all that. And like, that's my standard. And if it's unrealistic and it might be fairy tale, but I'm not going to settle for anything less. So for me, I have that fairy tale dream and that goal. And until I find that person, I often have these whirlwind relationships for three months where they're super intense. The romance is real. It's fairy tale. It's like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And then reality kicks in and the other person's like, oh, this is not a reality for me of how I want to live. Whereas that's how I want to live my life in the fairy tale world that exists to me. And I struggle now because after, you know, three or four months, it very it's very clear to me that guys aren't all in with that. And that's what I seem to struggle with, especially now. You know, people say to me like, you know, you're at the age now, aren't you, that you should be getting married and having kids? And I'm like, it's not what I'm looking for right now. Like, it's just not something that I inspire to. I want the fairy tale romance with my person. And, you know, if it comes later in life, which it will, I know it will, but I'm not going to settle for anything less. And, you know, that's it. That's probably very problematic if you're using marriage and creating another life and bringing it into the world as just checkboxes on something that you need to do at a certain age. Yeah. You're setting yourself up for failure. I feel like I get asked a lot at events, but like I love, I especially used to love dating. I used to love first dates so much. Mm. And that's something. It's a feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Like nervous, exciting, like, oh, what shall I wear? What, what are they going to yeah. look like? And just what? the unknown, like, yeah. Women, if this is something, because as women, I know we all like to do it, to be going into it, being like, you know, secretly you like to go in cool and level-headed, but actually you're like, wow, this could be like more than what it is sometimes. You know, yeah. like I think we romanticize things in our heads sometimes. Yeah. And also if not, it might just be a funny story and you oh, might yeah. have just had a night out with people that you will never see again, but you've had a good time. I've learned to be a lot more relaxed. Even though I still live in my fairy tale world, mm-hmm. I have very much relaxed in how I date now. And, you know, I am more open-minded in terms of the people that I meet. Um I'm just way too bitter at the moment to even entertain it. Like I just I cannot. It's just, it's, it's hard when you're going through heartbreak. Um, we did an episode last week on the podcast about, you know, it wasn't a whole podcast about heartbreak because I generally think I came out of a, a relationship and I needed about a year to heal. You know, I needed that year to heal and to move on because it's, it's hard. It is really hard. And I think, you, you know, you're right. Like you say right now, at the moment, you're bitter, you're tired, you're not interested. It, so I'm yeah. just like, it's not worth it. I'm going to no. put someone else through that. I, I hate, hate my mentality at the moment. I don't want to subject someone else to that. They, they don't deserve it. They didn't do it. Yeah. So I'm just like. But it is that time, giving yourself time, the healing period that we talk about and, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that. I think sometimes like knowing what energy you're in and what energy you want to attract can be sort of allowing yourself to go like, let's not go with what I think I want because Mm. I think things all the time and they're wrong. Let's go with what energy I'm feeling in the moment and from people. And even if my mind's going like, but this isn't what I thought it was going to be like. This isn't how I thought I was going to meet them. This isn't who I thought their friends would be or what they do, whatever. But like they make me feel good. Let's see how that progresses for a bit. Definitely. And I think if you're in a place of heartbreak or feeling a bit down, anyone who meets you there is meeting you in that place where that's what they're looking for too sometimes. Yeah. And that can be healing together, but sometimes it can also keep you in that place of you fell for the person who was here. And actually where I want to be is here and doing these things. And I need somebody who's going to come with me or meet me there. 100%. My closing question for both of you today is I, I mean, I give advice to straight people all day, every day, because the majority of our speed dating events are for straight people. Obviously we run the gay and we run the lesbian um, speed dating events as well. But my experience is, you know, giving advice to straight people and that would be to, you know, go into everything with an open mind because I live in this fairy tale world and it, you know, it ends in disappointment. And I think the one thing that I would say to people is to go into situations and relationships and dating with an open mind 
and be open to meet new people. Don't always go for your type. Don't always, you know, explore every avenue of every single type of relationship if you feel comfortable with it and just find out what it is that makes you happy because at the end of the day that's all it comes down to is making yourself happy so ash your advice to listeners that are bisexual what would your you know like amelie said earlier about saying giving advice to your 16 year old self this would be giving advice to anyone listening today that might be thinking or struggling or what would your advice be i think my big thing would be um be less concerned with how other people are going to receive you and focus on how you feel about yourself Mm -hmm. the conversations that you have when you're having conversations with people about who you are their response is how do they make you feel rather than how did they respond just yeah focus on that rather than trying to be liked and accepted by everyone trust how you feel about a situation that's very good advice Emily um I think it sounds like so simple but not letting shame hold you back from things that make you happy so As queer people, I think we go through this second puberty that straight people don't have where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I've come out and now I'm going to have my first kiss, like as this person or like first date or first bringing somebody home or whatever it is. And for some people that's at like 12, for some people that's at 60 and it can be such an amazing thing. It's also scary because it feels like that same sense of shame (laughs) that happens with regular puberty sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the privilege we have about getting to do it again or getting to do it the first time at an older age is going like, I'm going to make whatever this is joyful or special. So it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be candle lit. It can just be like... Get a second go. Yeah, you get a second go. And if you can have a laugh doing it, then that's that's a gorgeous thing. Um, So go to the events and go to like community meetups and do all the things that feel a bit silly and shameful and just have fun doing them yeah for sure amazing that's all great like solid advice to someone that's listening uh today that might relate to you know the conversation that we're having more than we all know i guess i know in the past i've certainly listened to things and thought you know what i'm going to change my mindset today and if we've done that for one person then I think the job's done. Or even just validated an experience. Yeah, I agree. Amazing. Okay, thank you, ladies. Um, Emily, how can we find out more about you? I mean, everyone knows where they can find Ash, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, My name is Emily Rock on Instagram, and uh, you can find my website at www.amilyrock.co.uk for art and theatre stuff. And see me at the gay and lesbian events lovely okay thank you so much ladies that was such an empowering conversation today and uh yeah we'll see you soon